0: Hello, and welcome to the Hard Tech Podcast. Joining me today is Colby Harvey, CEO of UltraView, a startup using autonomous drones to visually inspect aircraft using AI. Colby, it's great to have you here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, I'm really (laughs) glad that someone's been on a podcast like this. It's really exciting.
0: Yeah, I think think today's podcast is going to be awesome. We have a nice-looking drone behind us here today. Uh, But before we get into the discussion proper, Let's set the tone for the audience by describing the general concept of drones being used for aircraft inspections. Sure.
1: So drones have a multitude of varying uses, um, which is really exciting. I mean, we first saw them in movies and things like that. Um, But now, as we look at these technologies and their evolution and how computer vision and autonomy is playing a big role in how these things are growing, they are capable of working in new ways that we didn't initially um, perceive when they were created. So in this particular case, an aviation inspection, um, well, I I really kind of brought it into aviation inspection um, because it's a, the reason, the point of autonomy is to do consistent and tedious tasks that typically humans can, you know, we can get a waiver from, get a little tired. um, And so these technologies, especially for aviation, um, is you know, critical because these aircraft are inspected pretty frequently and consistently, and they're huge, they're huge planes. Yeah,
0: okay, so it seems like it solves a problem uh, in terms of reducing the amount of time, the amount of effort uh, it would take a human being to, to do some of these inspections, right? right. Um, but before we get into uh, the discussion of uh, autonomous drones and aircraft inspections, Let's talk about you a little bit. You, it seems like you've been built for for these from day one. You studied aviation management in college, and you've built a startup in the aerospace industry. So what's your origin story, and what sparked your interest in the aerospace industry?
1: Yeah, um, so I'll keep a long story short. So I'm originally from Michigan, from Detroit. Um, I My first intentions were to go to the Air Force Academy because I want to fly uh, F16s, F22s, F35s things of that nature, but I am six foot five and I don't fit. Well, <laughs> I can fit, but I, uh, if I ever needed to reject for any reason. I'd like to have my legs so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but with that being said, so I've always been had an affinity for the aviation industry. Um, I wanted to find a way to work in it without necessarily working for it directly. Um, so I studied, um, initially I studied computer science at Arizona State uh, then I got to Calc 3 and said "Yep, nope, this isn't for me <laughs> And I switched <laughs> to aviation uh-huh. um, where I then got the opportunity to go down the aviation management track uh, which happens to be the same track that pilots take I wanted to initially be a pilot as well so I got to learn a lot of the same things that the pilots learned I even got to fly myself um, and then ultimately you know you know we ASU had a, a drone program and you know, we were able to. I was able to connect a couple of dots, and that's how I created the company. But, I mean, before that, I mean, I, I'd worked in various Fortune 500 companies, American Express, Charles Schwab, and then ultimately Indian at Google, out in San Francisco, um, before I founded my own company, and now I've been here doing that ever since.
0: Fantastic! I have to say, you're the first person I've heard who just moved away from software engineering to hardware. A uh, related engineer something so like that. <laughs> it was a stretch. <laughs> Typically, yeah, I mean, broadly speaking, generally we see it going the other way. This, this is good. This is very good. Mm. Okay. Um, all right, let's get into uh, the tech. Can you briefly describe how UltraView's autonomous drones operate and what specific inspections are being carried out? I see uh, your drone right here. looks It looks fantastic. Uh, is this like a B design, like a... Uh, so it's, um, with the eye in front of it.
1: So it's um it's a like a dragonfly ah, um,
0: okay.
1: Essentially like our designers we put it together we went through a bunch of different concepts. Uh, the, the system is is modular so we can change out that front um, okay. gimbal and put anything else that we need on in the front of it. You know, it's and, and thanks for the design. We actually we actually won two design awards, the Red Dot award and the iF award um, nice. back in 2021 and 2022, I believe. Um, but going back to the, the question, right? And, and if I'm remembering correctly, the question was, I don't know, how does the drone operate? Yeah, how, right? how, how do the, the autonomous
0: drones it? operate? Yeah, and uh, what inspections are you carrying out with
1: yeah, them? Yeah, so the, so the drone, I, I was pretty adamant about using a 3D LiDAR system. So this drone is equipped with a 3D LiDAR system um, and that provides it like a 360 view of the entire world. Have you ever seen those self-driving cars? Like you mm-hmm. see a lot of the cruises right now they're all using you know this system and some other ai magic too to to make those things fly I mean to drive so i figured this is the best way to have a system that's operating in um active environments that being the hangar uh to make sure it's navigating effectively and not hitting anything or mm-hmm. coming close so um how the drone operates so at a really high level is that we have, it has a, a map of whatever aircraft it is that we've, we're have we going to inspect. Mm-hmm. Typically, we've already gone out. We've flown around this aircraft at one of our partner or customer facilities. We've gathered this data. We've created the map or model, what's called a digital twin, of that plane. And then the drone uses the LIDAR. When, when we put it next to an aircraft, and we tell it what kind of aircraft it is, it already has that map. So we put it next to a plane. It launches. It's just doing a comparison like, is what I'm seeing in the real world with the lidar the same as what I've been pre-programmed to understand about the world, and then creating waypoints around that aircraft. So it's it's just uh, it's fully autonomous. It's just making sure that it doesn't hit anything. It can navigate around things. So um, in terms of the the maintenance side and the, the mm-hmm. for its particular application, so it's it's it would be used. Uh, we'd say in, in the aviation industry, especially around maintenance, there are four types of checks. There's your A through your D checks. Okay. D being like your longest checks, right? Those are like mm-hmm. sort of 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are like they take the entire plane apart, everything, and inspect and make sure there's no like wear or corrosion or anything. So that's, a, that's one great application um, check that's happening. We can also look at more like C checks. So these inspections or checks are happening inside of the hangar specifically, mm-hmm. which we're working to make sure that we can fly out you know, outdoors. I mean, Boeing and Delta and, and United are working on that program right now with the FAA, uh, which is great because that's when we really hit that sweet spot of being able to really deploy these systems and, and get them out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, so these inspections, so they're, they're varied amount of hours, essentially what happens, flight hours that the aircraft go through, and that determines, hey, is it getting inspected overnight or is it, going down for, you know, a month or two at a time for this inspection.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, Okay, so actually this reminds me of, uh, I was actually on this podcast a few weeks ago i was talking about the tesla uh robots and Mm -hmm. how they could map the entire and this is not specific to tesla but they could map out the entire environment that they 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 view right basically Mm -hmm. whenever i see eyes like this i'm like wow Mm -hmm. um and then like you said they can compare what they're looking at versus what should be there and they can tell differences they can tell all those things right Mm -hmm. so and we we're going to talk about uh, the uses of these drones as in beyond aircraft inspection later on, but it, it, I'm I'm noticing that this could be very, very uh, There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it could be very uh, it could have very wide-ranging applications. You say you won two design awards 2021-2022. You expand on that a little bit. And just what is the inspiration for the Dragonfly design? Like, what is the real inspiration?
1: Yeah, Um. so the red, so I'll start with the Red Dot Award and kind of what that is, yeah. and and then get into the but that that inspiration. But the Red Dot Award is like this really, really prestigious German design award. Like it is, mm-hmm. like kind of the, the top of the top of awards that can be given to like hardware products. So things like like Apple and Toyota, and when they create these beautiful products, they mm-hmm. always apply for that. And it's, a, it's I mean, it's huge. There's a big book that you get. It's awesome, um, and a lot of like global recognition for it. Um, the IF award is, you know, kind of similar along that that vein as well. So they're really you know together with our industrial designers the name that name is hatch duo um, um, john Ty is the, the the ceo over there he's a really really good friend of mine out in san uh, san jose hatch duo hatch duo yeah okay yeah, i definitely recommend if you guys are doing anything with hardware i would definitely recommend giving we them
0: are we are all about hardware here oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> they're they're fantastic and they okay. know how to work with startups okay and they're really accomplished so yeah, so as we're going through this design process, I, was, I gave a lot of cues of things that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. and, and product design, like things of my favorite products, what do these look like? Um, and then also things that inspire me from the world and they kind of brought in some more real world aspects. Mm-hmm. But I love cars. So like if you look at the back of the drone, it has like lights like, it's like race cars do on the back of it. So mm-hmm. they, they implemented that design into the product as well. And then they were pulling items from you know, nature and how they fly and how they look. So, you know, as they're doing this, we got like a brand book and had like a yeah. firefly. I mean, a, yeah, dragonfly. And then our drone kind of as a model was like that. Yeah. iterated on that. That looks really great.
0: Yeah. You know, if some people will say physics is the foundation for engineering in general. I say it's biology. It's nature. Like, yeah, physics too. But some of the best designs that you can come up with are some of the best functionalities you can get out of uh hardware technologies come from just mimicking nature, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nature's yeah. put
1: together and built everything first. So it already
0: exists in nature. Just copy it, right? hmm Yeah. Um so y- you were talking earlier on about Boeing, Delta, companies like that, uh trying to get FAA approval for inspections outdoors. Um who are the biggest co- customers in this space, right? And how frequently uh, do they need these type of inspections to be done? The type of inspections that you do with your drone.
1: Yeah. Um, so pulling back on the initial time, the, the amount of checks that happen, you know, that's really the time frame, right? Mm-hmm. So like you're yeah. a couple hundred flight hours to every 10 years something like that. So um, the biggest customers, there are, there, there, there's several. So the people that, you know, are in the space that would utilize our you know this product are they're called it's called mros so maintenance repair and overhaul facilities those are where aircraft go um to be repaired either mm-hmm. they could be you know either you know united delta and you know american can own have their own hubs or there's third-party ones that you know like theme and um lufthansa technic or that are that are out there that you they can send planes to the some of the customers that we work with that are pretty pretty big would mm-hmm. be like the u.s air force for example, you know, they have they have large fleets of aircraft that need to be maintained pretty, I mean, always. You know, these things have to be mission capable at mm-hmm. any given moment. So, you know, we are initially, for us, as we're having more conversations with the Air Force, they're looking at, they're using our product for um, inspections of the B-1 um, platform or the C-130 Um your carrier aircraft. So, I mean, we also have, you know, your again your technical operations from so like in, an, a, you know, a Delta Tech Ops again the 2 Lufthansa, um, MRO Holdings. There's a there's a there's a, actually believe it or not there's a lot of companies out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Simply because uh, we got to fly. Yeah, we got to fly, and uh, you don't want anything to go wrong in the air. All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we'll get to that later, but I I was speaking with. Uh, Roger on a previous podcast, a friend, Different and right. he was. and we were talking about drones in the sky and how they have to be autonomous to an extent and reducing the need for human uh, involvement and things like that. And how, if there's a crash, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty, right? So, I this is this is very crucial, all right? Um, now you you know, we've talked about autonomous drone uh, mm-hmm. inspections, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about the concept of uh. Of these drones being able to operate on their own, I'm assuming that the current state of the art is not like that, right? Is it? What's the current state of the art, right? And how are autonomous drones or your drones better?
1: Right. So tr- yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great question. So traditionally, and I'm not sure how I'll be people will be to hear this because we mm-hmm. fly a lot, but um traditionally
0: <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Say, <laughs> say it man go ahead
1: oh i mean it's it, what goes down in mros sometimes and you'd be surprised um it's a lot of uh it's it's, it's very manual we can say that so it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot traditionally it's like inspectors that are getting up on the on a scissor lift or a boom boom lift um you know they're essentially attaching themselves to the the ceiling of a of a, a hangar to walk across the crown that's the top of the aircraft to look yeah. for these damages and more if they're using like pen and paper to mark down damages Yikes. that they find. Yeah, you'd think it'd be much more of a, you know, a, a higher tech process, but it really isn't. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times when these inspections are happening, um, they, humans, inspectors accidentally cause more damage to a plane because they can run those scissor lifts or boom lifts into the side of them, um, which happens more than you think, uh, believe it or not. So... Our system, mm-hmm. our platform, we—I mean—reduces com- the overall need for that. The only thing that our drone, our drone, is not like going up there and fixing any of the damages, mm-hmm. right? So we're just, we're just an inspection tool. We're an extension of the the, the technician that's performing that inspection. But uh, with that being said, the the drone—I mean, even with the drone, were to fall, we have have like a two-meter operating distance. We're getting down to a meter and a half, and soon enough to to a meter, i um, getting us standoff distance from that aircraft, but even if it were to fall, that drone, like, wet is about you know 12 pounds, I'd mm-hmm. say, yeah, about 12 pounds, and so it's not going to cause the same damage as if you run a boom left into the side of a plane. Yeah, um, luckily, we've never had that ever happen, the drones never crash, which is great. Um, we want to keep it that way, mm-hmm. um, but we we have a more um, modern and digital approach into how we're performing these inspections, um, which is now being really recognized by like the, the, the large players and by the regulatory body authorities, being like the FAA, YASA, uh, and, and so on.
0: That's good. <laughs> wow. Uh I was just gonna mention that if your drones are carrying out visual inspections and, you know, mapping out the environment, comparing it to where it's supposed to be, but humans still have to go in there to fix any issues. Is there are there any plans in the future, or anyone working on the idea of actually using robots to go fix these things instead of humans?
1: Yeah, not me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> um, me. this is one hard enough problem to tackle on its own. <laughs> like, yeah, um, there's other companies out, uh, especially that are out here that I've met before that have created like different tools or different robotic solutions that are repairing some of the damage, some, like specific types of damages yeah. on airframes, which I see they've been, you know, getting some great traction. So, like, for, for me, for what I would be interested in is more of like a relational uh, partnership, like a partnership between the two companies. Mm-hmm. So it's like we kind of can come in as a like a as a deal to whatever client or customer is like is looking at um, implementing these solutions into their their maintenance operations or programs. Yeah, but, yeah. There's some. Just need to say there. Yeah, there are some out there.
0: Yeah, yeah the company is working on this. You know, as, as I was asking that question just now, I just, <laughs> I, you know, we've we've been doing we've been running this podcast for a few a few months now, and I've been getting a lot of feedback about some of the technologies we talk about, and anything that involves a robot replacing a human, it just, you know, draws mm-hmm. out like huge visceral like reactions from people, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm asking this question about replacing highly paid, because aircraft tech, you know, people tend to be well paid, right? Mm-hmm. Replacing highly paid people with with robots, and you know, it just struck me that this is gonna great. So stuff. I will, I will, I'll stop <laughs> you
1: right there because that's that's. I mean, that that is definitely a big thing that has, yeah. has come. But like, yeah. it, just like anything with AI, I mean, look like look at ChatGPT, a yeah. lot of things that it, or jobs that it's automating. So uh, there's there's definitely a fine line on these systems that are coming to the workforce yeah. and the unique or what's actually has like even unions that are excited about like my platform and other platforms that are like this um it's the fact that it's it's an augmentation tool mm-hmm. more as a, like an extension to that qualified mechanic as opposed to something that's replacing it Right. Yeah. so our computer as we build a computer vision models there's a, i mean that's again that's going to be a very very long process before like the FAA will recognize um, you know identified damages and defects through just computer vision alone there, mm-hmm. has to, there has to be a human that reviews those images at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, and signs off um, on the on the task card um, so our system is meant to augment yeah and is is shown to augment the the mechanic and make their life easier. Yeah. Right? Like, you're still getting paid the same amount, but now you have a system that's making your job a lot safer. You don't have any fault. There's no fall risk until you actually go up there and repair damage if it is found. Um, and it's a lot faster process, so that payout is um, in dividends to the the airline or, or the, the carrier to get their aer- aircraft back in service, even if it's just a day or two sooner than traditionally. That's... It's a lot of it's a lot of realized, um, you know, capital uh, or revenue for them.
0: I, I agree. I agree. I think it's, it, it, you know, people can get upskilled and you know better work can get done, and um, processes can become more efficient. And like you said, this is not going to replace anybody, right? Um, so that's true. So for anyone listening, <laughs> yeah. if you're an yeah. AP. I'm getting used to the to the to the uh, to the feedback now, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but I think uh, overall, just like the internet didn't really replace anybody, uh, it just made people more um, highly skilled, right? And mm-hmm. uh, AI would basically be uh, a thing where you use AI to do better work, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's way it should be instead of being yeah. scared of it.
1: And yeah, I mean, and that's also being idealistic. I mean, there's also, you can see, you know, I think it was like Elon and, and Bill Gates coming out and saying that these are things that we should be aware of and we should watch for. But those, you know, those, there's different things that can be done, and I'm not going to make this into a political thing in any way, but like <laughs> legislatively or anything else that can be done to insulate people from the yeah. advancements of, as they're going through this upscaling, um, upscaling, excuse me. And learning new things and learning how to operate in this in this post ai world
0: yeah yeah uh let's 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 go on into uh talking about you know what we what is discovered or things that are discovered during aircraft inspections right um hmm. uh, what are the biggest issues that you find and um uh, let's even take it a step forward and say if these issues are not fixed what could happen
1: yeah um some of the issues and the things that we look for when we perform these inspections and then we change the computer vision to look to identify or like paint defects because paint, paint defects can like depending on how it is if there's like bubbling on the paint like that can be an indication that there's water under the paint and mm-hmm. if there's water on the paint on metal that can create an issue or fatigue um and ultimately create fractures and, and rust and things that are really bad to have on an airframe mm-hmm. right so you want to make sure that you know that aircraft is painted and coated properly you're looking for um, stress fractures that happened on the airframe, um, and if a stress fracture gets too big, um, which we really don't hear a lot of those because they're thank God they're, they're they're caught, could lead to um, depressurization events and, and things like that. So um, we want to just be cautious about those. Um, there's also like missing rivets that you know come aboard, and you know unless you have like a I mean, a, a large subsection of that you know happening. It's, not too dangerous, but you want to make sure that you are, you know, the, the airline or the operator is aware of that and, and repairs those and fixes those rivets. Um, there's lightning strikes, which is, you know, the, the initial use case that, you know, so myself and even some of our competitors are identifying. Those lightning strikes, um, if not identified, can lead to some severe issues with the integrity of, this, of the airframe itself. Um, and so those are, those are really interesting to find. They're they're, I'd say they're rare, but they're not as rare as we think, especially now with the changing climate um, and thunderstorms striking the aircraft. Uh, by the way, you're, you're completely safe inside of an aircraft if you're going through a lightning storm. They have static wicks that, you know, lightning goes off one way. Um, but yeah, there's 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 also like dents and things that can happen that can um, impact the um, airworthiness of the aircraft that want to be identified.
0: Uh, you know, now you mentioned. You mentioned lightning strikes. I actually was watching a video the other day. Uh, Lufthansa saying something about every time a plane gets struck by lightning, it needs to be extra inspected. Basically, is every that is time. that true? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Every single time that it's like if you if they a pilot flies through and calls the tower and says, "Hey, we've experienced a, a, a strike event, a lightning strike event." That aircraft is immediately taken out of service to be inspected.
0: Wow. Okay. That's uh, that's nice to know. Okay. Um, now let's move on to something, uh, more somber, I guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) in, uh, in 2018 and 2019, the whole world witnessed, uh, two Boeing 737 MAX planes crashing, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because of the newly designed maneuvering characteristics augmentation system, MCAS, MCAS. everyone knows it as MCAS system. I don't know if this is possible, but I just want to ask. Is it possible to design aircraft inspection systems to discover manufacturer cost defects?
1: For the so specifically for the MCAS, no, that's a software thing. It's a software issue. Um, that's something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of a mixed thing. Boeing did something that was particularly pretty interesting and not honestly great. Um, they the MCAS system relies on the static tubes to, and so those are. I'm going to get it's basically like sensors to understand the angle of attack so where yeah. where the plane is you know pointed right so uh-huh. typically there's those are redundant there are two of those but boeing kind of boeing sold it as an option not as a you know a standard feature which was a big reason why this also happened so um so that was the issue with the mcas system um they're they they and I'm not gonna go into too much detail about the design of the the 737 7 Max. That's cool. Um, but with in, in in terms of looking for manufacturer um issues, so we focus, and when I say we like UltraView focuses on the yeah. visual inspection process. Yeah. So, you know, we've been, been approached by people like Boeing, people like Airbus for the use of these systems and manufacturing environments. So as these aircraft are rolling off the assembly line. They're being inspected because they're always being inspected to ensure that there's no damages that are or nothing that occurs or nothing that's out of the um, you know tolerance levels um, for a newly built aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a place where um, our systems can also sit or like inspection systems can sit or in that manufacturing process. But unfortunately, MCAS, the MCAS was a completely so, different
0: yeah uh, software issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. software
1: and a missing component.
0: <laughs> so, as i started wondering right the planes that crashed weren't being flown for the for the first time they've been flown a few times they were new but mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been flown a few times and then you had pilots who just like were unlucky or maybe didn't study manual to understand it
1: that was a big issue too yeah so i mean as much as boeing is at fault for what happened the in these particular airlines because of you think of like pilot shortages and things like that There were the pilots were not trained
0: mm-hmm.
1: enough on the system mm-hmm. um they had they didn't have enough flight hours on that platform which you want to have a couple hundred hours on those platforms as you're flying them and so therefore they had no idea what to do when like mcas engaged for mm-hmm. example so there was there were a series of issues that happened that led up to those events but but yeah to, to your point
0: yeah yeah so okay you, can you walk do you you remember what what the real issue was about? Uh, I don't know. Was it the flaps not the angle of? So it was something.
1: Yeah. So it pushed the the angle of attack. was the angle of attack. So the system would think that the plane was going into a stall. Okay. By like going up, even though the aircraft was not doing that. Okay. And so the, that's the MCAS system would engage. And the reason why this happened is because when they made the max, they just Push the motors further out, so it'd be a little bit more efficient, mm-hmm. um, which would change the flight dynamics of that aircraft. Okay. Right. So the plane would they it would think that the plane was going up, so the MCAS would push the nose down. Oh. And so when the MCAS pushing the nose down, like the pilots didn't know what was going on, mm-hmm. and they didn't know to disengage MCAS. Yeah. Because and that's what was causing the crashes. Okay.
0: So. I'm guessing. So this goes beyond drone inspection discussions, right? Mm-hmm. But I just want to know: is there a way, or to do this, or does it exist to uh, basically study the behavior of of um, different parts or different components of the aircraft to 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 study it? You know, whenever the plane lands, mm-hmm. to see things to avoid. You know, maybe maybe a pilot like you know, uh, went through that process and kind of got lucky and said, okay, I haven't been trained on this, but let me disengage this new thing. And then it was fine. And that would have helped, you know, is there a way to do that in the sky (laughs) in real time?
1: Well, nothing beats training. We actually how to use the platform. Um, in terms of, talking
0: about visual inspection of of the plane itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I get this a lot, but no, we don't, our drones aren't flying. With yeah, the aircraft doing the inspections. That's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be cool, but no, we, we're not doing that.
0: Um, Maybe half cameras outside the plane. I don't know. Yeah, I mean they these,
1: do these aircraft. I mean, especially the new ones are they're, they're really sophisticated. I mean, okay. they have sensors all throughout that entire platform, okay. right? That are inspe- that are monitoring that that aircraft or that airframe. Um, but I mean, it's something really in terms of like the visual inspection process as a whole. You know, in, in my particular case, so I'm like I I don't I don't build build airframes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's move beyond aircraft inspection and and seven three seven max crashes and things like that, right? Where else can this type of technology be impactful? So the technology I'm talking about is your technology, autonomous drone inspections.
1: Yeah. So specifically, I guess I'll take this in terms of the next, you know, the verticals of focus in which we are, um, you know, moving into. So. there are applications for maritime, so boats, you know, doing inspections, and particularly like dry dock for, for us is as a, as a good version of that, because these of cargo ships, these are massive, massive um, pieces of equipment. Um, there's also, you know, I mean, you hear it a lot, but infrastructure being a, a big one, oil and gas, pipelines, um, solar, wind farms, you know, implications there as well. Um, there's also the space industry as well, so return to launch we've seen with SpaceX and and, and Blue Origin and um, creating these return to launch vehicles. So these you know Falcon 9 rocket can launch and come back and autonomously land. So those things need to be inspected as well. So those are that's another application for this technology. So there's a, there's a, I mean there's a, definitely a slew of I mean everything that's built is to be inspected. Yeah. Right? So um, there's a pretty wide opportunity.
0: Yeah. To so do, to do that. So. I'm noticing a theme here really big stuff (laughs) right Uh, boats large boats oil and gas you know Mm. you can have really either tall or very deep structures solar wind I was talking the other day about the wind turbines in water and how they've gotten larger and larger and larger Mm -hmm. because of the amount of uh, wind available uh, across water and then space vehicles obviously very large okay so those are the um obvious applications, oh yeah, I have a further question about this, so can you make this these uh these autonomous drones? can you make them very small like really small and yeah. still have some of the core functionality in there
1: yeah um I mean it depends on how small we're 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 talking here, so you can look at different products like you know like kind of skydio or something that have the drones are are relatively small mm-hmm. um, you do you know like systems like like lidar right so that you know that thing that's right under there that silver thing mm-hmm. um, those are getting I mean I'm not sure if they're getting much smaller um, I'm not sure the ability to get much smaller but there's there's certain thing there's a lot there's certain things that you'd lose by shrinking the platform yeah. a lot of it has to do with um, flight time too so yeah we get about 22 minutes on this drone. Uh, yeah we're yeah. redesigning it to get probably around 30 to 35 minutes yeah um but that's but that, that's actually shrinking the platform and making it smaller but um that's just something to take into consideration yeah when doing that and yeah there's a lot of practical applications we're having smaller drones that are and there are some that are out there there's some really cool ones that are out there um that can go into like um, wells and caves and things and and or like even smaller environment like but i don't know uh, we're not. if this is avengers and i was tony stark i'd make some really small and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
0: like ant-man and stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah i understand what you mean as an as an energy guy you know i'm really interested in what you know this drone discussion but once you made it all about energy i was like okay that's my field <laughs> i yeah, i like, get yeah. it i get it i get it completely uh but that would be so cool though because you could inspect tiny spaces, and um, you might not haven't have to open up some systems simply because you can just send a tiny drone in there. Uh, but then you're yeah. limited by the flight time; you have to keep sending it back to recharge every time. But mm. if we can make some advancements in energy, then uh, hopefully we can shrink this all the way down.
1: Hmm. Battery technology would be great. <laughs> like, if I get an hour flight time, I don't want a single battery. Yeah. Be, oh my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would be, be fantastic. Um, as of right now, you have enough problems to worry about, mm-hmm. enough enough inspections to do, more than you can handle. Um, okay, so we're, let's get into this topic we've been avoiding for a while: AI, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I've done I've done this uh, podcast enough times to know that AI is playing a major role in new hardware technologies. You everywhere you go, you, you see it; you just can't avoid it, including yours, obviously. Um, what is your prediction for the future of drone inspections with ai will will human involvement be uh, we discussed this already but do you think it could happen i know yours is just to augment um, uh, human involvement but do you think human involvement will be will will still be there in the future
1: i think I think even from a, like a broader perspective, yeah. that there will still be humans that are overseeing AI in some capacity. Yeah. I'm doing um, to a more to a more uh, micro application, or I guess specifically mine. Um, I do at, at some point these computer vision models, um, the technology has advanced far enough that th- these systems are capable of seeing so much more than a traditional human can. Mm-hmm. so i think in, and i think in some way there's there's going to be a lot less involvement from the human side um it's a lot less if it's called human in the loop right mm-hmm. but i mean for these systems you know at least i mean even still when that happens someone's gonna to have to take the, the drone out there and do that yeah. someone's gonna to have to audit it something but like i mean just like anything that we can that that ai touches there's there's that possibility is there so mm-hmm. I do do definitely very much see that you know potentially i mean becoming the case further down the line but not for uh, not for another Long you know, time. five to ten years maybe
0: yeah i'm hoping not uh, uh if that <laughs> yeah i'm hoping that uh it's just like we we already talked about this uh, it just makes humans more efficient that will mm-hmm. be that will be pretty cool ai <laughs> everything about about it, about tech right now it centers around AI, right? I mean, so yeah.
1: When you think about it, I mean, AI is really really cool. Like the things that it can help us do. Like I mean, when you have questions, you can just I mean, ask chat GPT, <laughs> right? Like it just there's a, there's a lot of those things that like we would have to wait till. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's not all r- always right, but it's getting better. Yeah. Right. So, we just have to keep in mind like where we are. Like the AI right now is the worst it's ever going to be mm-hmm. as it is right now. Yeah. It's always going to be getting better.
0: Speaking of, speaking of AI and software in general, we, we tend to have these discussions uh, uh, on, the, on the podcast about um, hardware versus software, mm-hmm. right? So, what do you think is the most important uh, or the more important uh, field in terms of the future of technologies in general? Hardware or software, or are they just p- perfect complementary fields? That
1: is a charged question, uh, <laughs> and I'm not trying to piss anybody hey, off. Hey, you can you, can you can you
0: can you can say pass. That's fine. You know,
1: it's, I mean, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that bad. So I'm mean, like, I think hardware and software are always going to complement one another. Yeah, you know, for sure. Like, I mean, even if it's a software product, you have to have something that runs it. So yeah. you need a hardware to interface with it, right? Like, um, that's never going to change. Uh-huh. Um, I. Do you think that we've seen a lot of like what's happened over the past few years, is, especially in the, the fundraising environment, and all of these companies getting you know huge valuations, and now they're having a hard time raising funding that are just software companies. You know, they're seeing that like more like physical products um, are important. I think with hardware, you're, I mean, you're always going to need, you're always going to need hardware. Yeah, you're always you're, you. You really are always going to need something that can operate the 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 software, the autonomy, the CV that you are um, yeah. that you that you are using.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Don't worry. I'll save you. I'll save you. The, I'll, save you the, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll save you from 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 pissing anyone off. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that uh, that um, like you said, they're both they're complementary and and hardware needs software, software needs hardware. Um, in general, though, in the startup space that we're in, it's harder to build a hardware company. No, but if you can, yeah, if you can build one, you'll probably be okay, more okay than a software company in the long term. That's just my general opinion. Um, yeah,
1: you can be. Yeah, um, you yeah. definitely can be.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if you compare it, if you compare them, like overall, right? It's mm-hmm. easy for anyone to start an AI company right now. Mm-hmm. it's hard for anyone to start a robotics company right now right so let's right. like,
1: think about it like what's making an actual impact right yeah. like a, to the world because there's you you create a, a piece of software that people interact with whether it can be something that comes mm-hmm. the next year that gets of. and the same same as to set be said about hardware that's it's true but since it's, it's since it's a lot harder of a space to operate in and a space to work in mm-hmm. less people are doing it so yeah you look at companies like, you know, like Boston Dynamics, for example, and like that's a
0: yeah. Thing. They've been building robots for the past thirty years, and no one is like, it's it's always just Boston Dynamics. Yeah, yeah. In the mean, news and everything, yeah.
1: And I can't tell you how many countless companies that have come and gone that I've seen. I mean, unless they acquire these companies, like, you know, like you know, like Jira or, or Asana's come out, and then Monday, and then there's, there's all like like you know, these management tools. These are all yeah. software products, but there's so many different ones that compete against it. Whereas when you build something that's hardware. There's yeah. not a ton of people competition. That, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you heard it here. Mm-hmm. Start a hardware company today. Whatever you do, stay alive. You'll be fine.
1: Get the right advisors. <laughs> 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 um,
0: yeah. 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 Be uh, yeah.
1: sure you know what you're getting into. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Talk to a lot of people that have done it.
0: Yeah. Uh, talk to a lot of people that have done it. Know it's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be fun. The pain is gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but either way. We need, we need, we need more hardware companies. Uh, as, as someone said, if you don't build stuff, there will be, there won't be stuff, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody famous. You can Google that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to mention the name because it's controversial. Uh, but uh, I've, I, I, we've talked about him too, too many times on this podcast.
1: Show sure notes. Sure
0: notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so. Uh, this this was a, this was an awesome discussion about um, you know autonomous drones and AI and and the future of the space. If people want to reach out to you or they want to um, talk to you about about this technology more, how can they reach you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So if you want to reach me, so right now as we're we as we're building UltraView and getting everything together, I'm getting all my ducks in a row. You understand? It's like building a company. There's yeah. a billion different things that you, all that wants to do and not enough time. Um, so you can reach me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn name's Colby Harvey. You'll see me there. Um, you can also reach me on my email, which is colby at ultraview.io, okay. um, which would be the the, the best way to, to to reach me directly. Um, and then as we launch our website, then there'll be more, be an easier way to, to get, in, get in touch. But outside of that, if you're in the Austin area, um, I'm around Capital Factory. You know, mm-hmm. right, so... Everyone to see me come say hi, grab yeah.
0: coffee, at lunch, or, or, or show up at a hardware uh, happy hour oh, monthly. Yeah. yeah, I love those. <laughs> Get to meet all the hardware guys here in Austin and and and, and talk about stuff. Yeah, and uh, that's mm-hmm. great. That's great. It's good to have. It's always good to have discussion with uh, people who built hardware startups, mostly like second time founders, and you know still building a new one. It feels a bit masochistic but uh <laughs> oh yeah no step definitely <laughs> but we to talk about pain like, i guess i love this I I but but yeah <laughs> but, but 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 it's it's great it's awesome yeah uh thanks for coming today colby
1: yeah thank you for having me i really appreciate it this is a yeah. great discussion yeah yeah
0: likewise likewise and and with that we've come to the end of another episode of the heart tech podcast i'll see you guys on the next one thank you